0: How many of y'all are thankful for Jesus tonight? I am um, honored, and I mean honored, to be here tonight. I have been waiting for this moment since I was last with you guys, and I'm excited that I get to be the one to close out this series, and I know you're probably excited. We're going to close out this series on prayer. Maybe Jay will talk about something different other than prayer. Well, uh, I'm going to make it worth it tonight, Amen. I'm so excited to be in God's Word with you. We're going to be talking about the last part of the Lord's Prayer. You've heard it. Yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. For how long? Forever. Amen. Or some of you, King James Version for thine is the kingdom, the power, if you want to feel super holy, and the glory forever. Amen. And so we're going to talk about this specific text. Now, if I were to tell you, if you had the NIV or the ESV or some of the newer translations, if I were to tell you to go there and look up that verse, you're not going to find it. Did you know that? Did you know that this doxology is not in the newer translations, oftentimes, of the Bible? And there are many theories as to why this happened. They, they talk about the scribes as they looked at the earlier manuscripts and found some earlier manuscripts that appeared before the 5th century. And these earlier manuscripts did not have the doxology in it. But the common practice back in the day when the Jews would pray is they would conclude their prayers by saying the doxology for thine or yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory. And so some of the later scribes thought it would be appropriate to insert that into the end of the Lord's Prayer as a gentle reminder for us that I want to spell out for you tonight because I believe there's great Power in this doxology. And we're going to spend a few moments tonight. I know I say that every time when I go long, I'm, I'm praying that I don't go long tonight. Uh, But I want to spend some time helping encourage you from the Word of God, the power that is found in this doxology that we see in the text. Now, the King James Version includes it in its translation. I believe it's super powerful, and I'm going to break this down for you tonight. Everybody say, break it down. down. Let's break it down. Let's get after it, all right? Tonight, I want to encourage you when you pray, pray with confidence. When you pray, pray with confidence. Say, pray with confidence. When you pray, you ought to pray with confidence. You ought to pray in a manner that when you go before the Lord, you already know the answer to your prayer is on the way and you are just exercising a spiritual discipline that connects God with your prayers. You should be praying the types of prayers that God is going to say yes to. That was the point of this series is to teach us how to come before God and make requests of him that are going to align with his purpose for your life and his will. And if you pray prayers like that, God will say yes. And so Jesus has been asked this question by the disciples. Lord, teach us how to pray. Why was he asked that question? He was asked that question because they noticed every time he prayed, something happened. How would you feel if every time you prayed, something happened? How would you feel that when you prayed when you were so connected to God that you were praying the things that God wanted you to pray and God was saying yes every time you prayed and things begin to move things begin to shift things begin to happen in such a way that people are like dude, you have got to teach me how you do that because obviously I've got something wrong. Well, the wrong is oftentimes we pray with the wrong motives and the wrong intentions for the wrong things. And so Jesus gives us this model of prayer so that we can understand the heart of God and what matters most to God. And tonight we're going to talk about the end of this prayer because I think this is super important for you and I to embrace and and, and put as a part of our prayer life. This is what I call the mindset that we need to conclude our prayer with. But we don't need to just conclude our prayer with this mindset. We need to start our prayers with this mindset. Y'all ready for it? Here we go. You can pray with confidence based off of three things. Y'all ready? Number one, you can pray with confidence because the one that you're praying to has the authority to answer your prayers. Everybody say authority. You can pray with confidence because the one that you are praying to has the authority to answer your prayers. In other words, the one that you're praying to owns the realm that you're praying in. I'm going to help somebody really get free tonight. You might shout hallelujah and run around the room. I'm not going to stop you. But here's, here's what I'm trying to tell you. The one that you are going to making requests of owns the realm that you're praying in. Let me break it down for you like this. You are praying to the Father who is in heaven. But when we look at Genesis chapter 1 verse number 1 it says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth so it's God who has created everything that we see whether it's visible or invisible Colossians chapter 1 really spells that out beautifully and shows how God is at work and he creates everything that we see John chapter 1 talks about everything that's visible and invisible was made by God. And then when we go to Psalm 24, 1, the Bible tells us that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. So it all belongs to who? Oh, you can say that. That's a Sunday school answer. It all belongs to God. So when you pray on the planet, which we are, we're not in outer space, we're, we're not on another planet, but when you play, pray on planet Earth, you are in God's realm. And when you pray in his realm, you are praying to the one who created the very realm that you live in. Now, let me give a news flash to you. Not only does the earth belong to God, but Mars belongs to God. The sun belongs to God. The moon belongs to God. Pluto belongs to God. Neptune belongs to God. The galaxies near and far all belong to God because he is the one that created us all of them. So are we ever out of his realm? No. So when you pray, you're praying in his realm. Now, why is that important? Because God has a kingdom. Why? Because he is a king and he rules his kingdom. Your kingdom come is what we prayed earlier in the prayer. Now we're saying for yours is the kingdom, which means everything that we see, whether it's visible and invisible, is a part of the kingdom of God. Let me break that down for you. A kingdom has borders that are established that lets everybody know this territory. When you cross this line, you have stepped into another realm. You have stepped into another kingdom. Here's the truth about God. He has no borders. There is no established line to God's kingdom. Everywhere you go is God's kingdom. Whether you are in outer space, whether you're in this galaxy, or you're in another galaxy, you go to heaven, you go to hell, you go anywhere. All of it belongs to who? Belongs to God. So you're never out of his kingdom. You're never not in his kingdom. Realm and in his realm, he has authority because he is the king of his realm. And so, when you pray to him, you can pray with confidence because he has the authority to give you an answer. His authority is the final authority, his word is the last word. Nobody can usurp him, nobody can trump God. God has the final say. So, when you pray, you're going to the buck stops person. When I used to work in Texas at Bank of America and also Frost National Bank many years later, I worked for our regional retail sales management team. And what we would do is we would work with our line of business partners. It would be commercial, investment, insurance, merchant. we We would work with all these line of business partners. And our goal was to get to our companies that we bank and we wanted more than just a commercial account or more than just a merchant account. We wanted their personal business. And so what we wanted to do is we, we wanted to make sure that the CEO, the president, the CFO, the COO, the employees, they all had bank accounts with us. Because what we understood is if we can get the full relationship, it's much harder for that client to leave us because we value them and they value us. And so we wanted their full relationship. Now, here was the key. In order for me to be successful in my role, I had to take meetings with the heads of companies. And every time you would try to do that, you'd have to go through a few steps. Number one, you would have to go through what we call the gatekeeper. Has anybody ever heard of a gatekeeper? The gatekeeper is typically the person that's going to open the door for you to be able to get the meeting with the buck stops person. Oftentimes, the first stage of the gatekeeper was our line of business partner. I had to instill trust into our line of business partners that if they opened the door for me to meet with their person of contact from the company, that I would conduct myself in a professional manner and represent the bank well so that way we could get a yes from that individual and not embarrass our line of business partner. So they were oftentimes our first gatekeeper. The second gatekeeper may be the person that does not make the ultimate decision but you have to go through them in order to get to the person that makes the ultimate decision. So oftentimes we would meet with the HR director or the CFO before we could meet with the owner or the CEO. And we would present our products and our relationship to these individuals, and we would ask them for the business. And then finally, we would get to the decision maker, the person who would allow us or not allow us to present our opportunity to the entire company. And so when we finally got to the decision maker, that was when all the marbles were on the table. You had to make the best presentation and I had to discover what's your personality type because every meeting I couldn't come in there like a chatty Kathy, especially for a guy that's sitting across the table for me that's like, I don't want to talk about your mama. I don't want to talk about my dog. I just want to know what is the bottom line. Just get to the point. And there were other people that I walk into the room where when I would meet with them, I could not talk business until we talked about grandma. We talked about what high school did you come from? Where did you live? How many kids do you have? All that. They wanted to build this personal bond with you before they did business. So I'd have to assess who am I dealing with and how much information do I need to give them versus how much information can I leave off? And so it was interesting that finally, when I learned the art of having to navigate that type of business transaction, that I realized that if I'm going to be successful, I have to go to the person who is the ultimate decision maker. How do we get to him? Here's the cool thing about prayer. When you pray, you immediately access the ultimate decision maker. There's not a gatekeeper that you have to go through when you pray. You can immediately go to the Father, and you can make your requests to God. You don't have to schedule a lunch meeting, a breakfast meeting. You don't have to whine and dine, God. All you have to say is, Daddy, I just want to talk to you for a second. And this is what the Lord does. Come on, talk to me. Let me hear what you got. And God does not make us jump through hoops to talk to him. But what's awesome about God is when we talk to him, we know we're talking to the ruler of a kingdom that we happen to be citizens of, that we are praying in, that we're wanting God to move in. And we know that he is the buck stops, the final word. There's no word higher than his word. And so when we pray, we can pray with confidence. Because we know that the one that we are praying to has the authority to answer our prayers. Here's the problem with many of us believers, including me at times. Oftentimes, I go talk to the wrong people. Have you ever done that? Where you've had a real need, and instead of just automatically going to God and saying, Hey, God, here's where I'm at. Here's what I need. You already know what I'm in need of. I need your help. I'll often run and try to think through my mind, who can I call? You know, how, how can I solve this issue myself? And I'll try to maneuver and operate in God's realm and I have to oftentimes remind myself, you idiot, you can't do this yourself. You need the help of the Lord. You don't know what God is working on right now, so why wouldn't you just go to him and just say, God, will you help me? Because what I do may mess up what God's trying to do. I may miss a blessing because God is like, I didn't want to give it to you that way. I wanted to give it to you this way. And so when we pray, God has authority to answer our prayers. I wonder if somebody in here tonight doesn't pray as often as you should because you don't believe God has the authority. Maybe you believe that life is about chance and luck and circumstances and you create your own destiny and you create your own path and, and maybe god will get involved and maybe he won't maybe today god likes me maybe tomorrow he hates me maybe god was watching what i did last night and he didn't approve of it so i might as well not go to him because he's not going to listen to me anyways let me just let me just help somebody out with something god is always ready to talk to you regardless of how you feel about yourself god is always willing and ready to talk to you. And when you approach God with a humble heart and you say, God, you know what? I, I don't feel like I'm worthy of you right now. I don't feel like I should be talking to you right now. Honestly, I know you saw what I did. I know you heard what I said to that person the other day. And I don't feel worthy. And God's like, hey, look, look, look. Let me just stop you. My son died for that. He he paid the price for your sins. I appreciate you being honest with me right now. But but That's forgiven. Let's move on and let me hear your request. God wants to hear from you. So God has authority. That's why you can pray with confidence. But then also you can pray with confidence because the one you're praying to has the ability to answer your prayer. It's one thing to have authority. It's a whole nother issue to have an ability. It's one thing to have authority. Authority. But it's another thing to have the ability. I have worked for some wonderful supervisors in my lifetime, and I work with some that I'm like, I don't even know how you got this job. I'll be honest with you. And some of them, they have the authority, but they don't know what they're doing. They don't have the ability to help me get better at my job. And so oftentimes I would find myself frustrated, and and, and in my head I'm like, then why are you... A supervisor. If you don't know what you're doing, at least try to figure it out. And if you don't want to figure it out, relinquish your title. Because I need somebody who knows what they're doing. And when you pray to God, you're praying to a God who has unlimited ability. There is nothing that is too hard for God. He knows what he's doing at all times. And so when we go to him, God, I need you to help me figure out what my next step is in my career. I have the ability to do that for you. God, I'm I'm, I'm pursuing this relationship. Is this what you want for me? God has the ability to sort that out. God, I'm not sure if I'm in the right major right now. And I I don't want to waste my money on the wrong major. I mean, could you help me figure that out? Yes, God is interested in things as simple as that. And he has the ability to help you. God, I've been struggling with the sin issue in my life. And and every time I try to get victory over it, it just keeps coming back and slapping me in the face. And I keep falling time and time and time again. God, I need your help. Can he help you? Yes, he has the ability. It's amazing. If God could, by virtue of speaking and things come into being, if he could just say, you know what? There's no lights on right now. No lights nowhere. You know what? let there be light. And all of a sudden, light floods into the darkness, and the darkness has to flee because God just said, let there be. That's massive ability. If God could speak all of creation into existence until he gets down to the livestock, and he gets down to humanity, and he he scoops into the, the ground and collects some dust of the earth, and he just begins to play with it and form it and shape it like he's building a sandcastle. And all of a sudden, this this dust takes form. Then he looks at it, and here's how crazy his ability is. He's got this dust figure that now has flesh, and he steps in, and he does this, (sighs) and breathes into the nostrils. The breath of life. And the Bible says the man became a living being. Do you know anybody on the planet that could do that? If you do, please introduce me to that person. I would love to shake their hand. But God is the only one that can breathe the breath of life into the nostrils of a sand being. A dust being. A man made out of clay and he can breathe life and cause that to come alive. Wow. And then one day he looks at him, and says, you know, it's not good that you're alone. You know what? I'll make a woman. Let me, let me do this. I'm going I'm to cause you to fall into a deep sleep. And I'm going to perform the first surgery. And I'm going to remove a rib from you. And I'm going to make the woman out of the rib. I'm not going to bend down into the ground again and make another being out of dust. No, I'm going to make the woman out of yourself. And then I'm going to close it back up with flesh. So now we see the concept of anesthesia because he makes the man fall into a what? A deep sleep. When you go have major surgery, what do they do? They put you into a deep sleep. And then when you wake up, you're like, man, been asleep long. You know, you try to get up. Oh, wow. Yeah, that hurts. Uh, Give me something for that pain. But yet they're able to do these things because God has infinite, unlimited ability. And when you're praying to God, that's who you are praying to. So when you pray, you can pray with confidence because the one you're praying to has the ability to answer your prayers. It's interesting that this word that we see, yours is the kingdom, the power, the power, the power. When you look at the original language, that word is dunamis, and it's where we get our word dynamite or dynamo or dynamic from. You serve a dynamic God who has dynamic power, and his power is untapped. It's unlimited. God, God can do any thing And his power has been made manifest before us. We see his power every day. Who causes the sun to rise? Who causes the moon to shine? Who causes gravity that we don't float off the planet? Who causes carbon dioxide and carbon monoxide? And who causes water to be which our bodies need? It takes a powerful, dynamic God to make all of those things happen. Did you know our universe is finely tuned to where if it was off just a degree, things wouldn't hold together? Who's that intelligent and that dynamic and that powerful that our universe can sustain life for us? That is an intelligent and powerful, dynamic God. And when you go to him in prayer, that same power that created the universe, that created the heavens, that created the earth, that created each and every one of us is available for you in prayer. So when you go to God in prayer, you can go to him with confidence. Because the power of eternity awaits us in those moments. I was on my way here and. I was thinking about something that our church really needs right now. And I, I was thinking about it, and I said, you know what? Stop thinking about it and pray. God, this is your kingdom. You have the power. And, and here's what I need from you. This is what we need you to do for us and why, Mama, And we believe you can do it. And we're waiting for you to do it. In Jesus' name amen. And when you pray prayers that connect with the heart of God, that connect with his plan and purpose and his will for your life, you unleash his power. But I love being in his presence too. You don't just get his power, you get his presence. And where his presence is. My goodness, I'm gonna start shouting. Let me move on. Let me move on here. So we pray because he has innate power, strength, ability. He has moral power. He's an excellent God. He is a powerful God. And the third reason why we can pray with confidence is this. We pray with confidence because the one that we pray to gets all the acclaim when he answers our prayers. Did y'all hear that? When you pray with confidence, when you pray with confidence, you pray with confidence because the one that you're praying to gets all the acclaim when he answers your prayers. Let me break it down for a minute. In other words, God wants to answer your prayers. Why? Because it makes them look good. He gets what we call the glory. Now, the, is God wanting to answer all of your prayers? No. There's some things that you pray for that God's like, no, nah, no, nah, not a player. No, nah, that, that, nah, I'm not answering that one. That's, that's a no. You're not getting a yes from me on that. That's not healthy for you. That's not good for you. That will hurt you. That will harm you. That's a no. But there are prayers that God wants us to pray where he can't wait to say yes. Because when he begins to move and operate in his realm, answering the prayers that you prayed to him, and the answer is yes, people start to take notice. And they start to take notice that God is doing something extraordinary in your life, which means he gets to get the glory. But here's the problem with that. Oftentimes, we rob God of his glory. Have you ever had somebody pay you a compliment for something that you know God did for you? You know it. And they pay you a compliment. Well, you know, I just got like that, you know. Well, yeah, I'm just, you know, just you know, pretty smart, and you know, just, yeah, I'm good looking, you know, that's how that goes down for me. And and I can just imagine guys just looking at you like, you big dummy, you big dummy. Do you not know who did that for you? Yeah, God, I know who did it, but keep your voice down, they might hear And the point is, is that God's like. When I answer prayers, I do answer them for you, but I also answer them for me. Because I want people to see my glory. How does that work, Pastor Z? Well, think about one of the most popular biblical characters of all time, outside of Jesus, Moses. Y'all know the story of Moses, right? The Bible tells us that the Israelites were living in the land of Egypt And Pharaoh begins to get paranoid, and he enslaves the Israelites because he thinks they're going to grow too great a number, and they're going to rise up and revolt and overthrow the kingdom. So he enslaves them, and the people begin to cry out to God. And so God raises up a deliverer by the name of Moses. So now Moses goes into this battle with his brother Aaron on his side, and he goes to Pharaoh. And he says the famous words, what are they? Let my, yeah, let my people go. And now there's a showdown in Egypt. It's God versus Pharaoh, ding, 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 ding. And it's about to go down. But what Pharaoh doesn't realize is he's no match for God. See, Pharaoh was under the false delusion that he was a god. That he was powerful. He was raised to believe that. And there were other Egyptian gods like Canum and Ra and Osiris and Isis and, and set and Hepti and all these types of gods that the Egyptians worshipped and God annihilates every last one of them in front of all the Egyptians. He attacks their religion. He attacks their culture. He attacks their economy. And then he eventually attacks them. And this is what you see in Exodus, that God does it not because he hates the Egyptians. No, 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 no. He does it because he loves them. And he's trying to rid them of their false gods because he wants to be God of the Egyptian nation. And he knows that the Egyptians have worldwide influence. And so he wants to reveal himself to the Egyptians so he can be revealed throughout the world. And he tells Pharaoh, he literally tells Pharaoh, here's the deal. I have raised you up so that my name may be great throughout the world. But like Pharaoh's not worshiping the God of the Hebrews. But it's recorded. And thousands of years later, we're reading about how God delivered the Hebrews out of an impossible situation. God's name became great. He got the glory. And when you pray, God wants to get glory out of those moments. And he delights in answering our prayers when we pray according to his will and his purpose and his plan. Because he can get glory out of our lives. The question is, is do you want him to get glory out of your life? Or are you a ball hog? You want all the attention for yourself. You want to feel like you're so great. You know, one of the things that just drives me insane, I can't stand it. I remember when I was in college and I, and I encountered it. And I was like, what in the world? Have you ever seen a commercial world that, like, hey, if you send me a seed offering, I'll send you a prayer cloth. And you just take this prayer cloth and you pray with it, and all your prayers will come true. If you want money, it'll come to you. If you want this, it'll come to you. If you got a broken leg, a broken neck, and a broken back, all you gotta do is put this prayer cloth on you and it'll heal itself. I'm like, are you nuts? Like, are you insane? Like, what are you smoking? And I think to myself, these people want more glory than they want to give to God. They want people following them, they want people to send their money to them, they want people just to trust that they've got all this power and that they're doing great, miraculous things. And they're getting the attention. People are talking about them, but how much are they talking about their God? If people talk about you more than they talk about your God, maybe you're a ball hog. And maybe you need to reverse the course and say, hey, how can I make sure God gets the glory? When people compliment me, I've learned to say this, to God be the glory. Hey, Pastor Z, you really blessed me, man. To God be the glory. Pastor Z, man, you said this, man, it changed my life, man. To God be the Glory. Who am I that I'm that important? I'm not that important. That I demand all of that type of acclaim. Whenever acclaim comes my way, I want it to go back to Calvary. I'm only here because of Jesus. I could have been dead in my trespasses. I could have remained in my sin. I could not be a believer today. And I could have absolutely ruined my life. But the grace of God and the mercy that came into my life. When Jesus paid the price for me on the cross, his blood was shed for me. I should have died that death. And Jesus said, no, 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 I got you. You can't handle this. God's about to pour out some crazy wrath. You can't handle it. So I'll handle it for you. I just need you to believe. So Jesus goes to a cross. They crucify him. They mock him. And then they take him off a cross. He's lifeless because he gave up the ghost. said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. They laid him in a borrowed grave. But on the third day, the Bible that we read tells us that he got up early that Sunday morning and he rose with all power in his hands. And here's what the Bible tells us Jesus said, If I be lifted up from the earth, what will happen? I'll draw. All men unto me. Could it be we don't see a lot of people being drawn to Jesus because we just simply won't lift them up because we want to be lifted up more than Jesus? I want to challenge some of you today. If you're in the habit of being a ball hog, it's time to be a team player, it's time to find your role in the system that God has called you to be in so that way the team can win. The kingdom can win. At the end of the day, God wants the glory. You know, as great as Patrick Mahomes is, and as well as he can quarterback and play the game of football, and he came from my alma mater, Patrick Mahomes is nothing without that team. He's nothing without the other 10 guys that are on the offensive side of the ball that get in that huddle with him, every play. He's nothing without the other 11 guys that are on the other side of the ball lining up to stop the other team. He's nothing without the trainers. He's nothing without the coaching staff. He's nothing without the GM. He's nothing without the president. He's nothing without the owner. He's nothing without his manager. He's nothing without his agent, without his accountant, without his lawyer. He is absolutely nothing. But when he plays his role in the team, he becomes great. But what's even better than that, the whole team becomes great. And whether you know this or not, we are part of a team. It's called the kingdom. And when we play our role, the kingdom wins. When Pastor Jay is loving on you guys and discipling you guys and encouraging you guys, it's a win for all of us. When Pastor Jay calls me and says, hey, man, we had a couple of students saved last night. We had a couple of students who wrote down some requests for us to pray for them. That's a win for me, too. And I'm not even here, but I'm celebrating like I am because I know that when you guys win, we win. And when we win, watch out, world, because it's about to go down. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care how crazy the culture has gotten. We've got some students sitting in the room that are ready to be equipped to be unleashed, so they can go out and do ministry. And if just one of you gets it, it could change the entire game. If just one, I'm not talking about the whole room. I'm just looking for one person that gets it. And boy, we can do a lot of stuff. Only takes one person. But just imagine a room full of one individuals that say, I'm part of a family, I'm part of a team, and I want to make an impact in the world that I live in. I want to leverage my life for the kingdom. Why? Because it all belongs to him. And I realize I'm part of the kingdom, so I belong to the king. And I serve at the king's behest. I serve at his pleasure. And I want to leverage my life so that he can get more glory. Are you a team player? For his is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Watch this in Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 12. I absolutely love this. He said this And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. You know who that is? That's us. You are reading what you are going to be doing. When you read Revelation chapter 7, hello, that's you in the Bible. I used to get so mad when I read the Bible. It's not fair. How do they get to be in the Bible? We don't get to be in the Bible. That's not fair. Well, hello. There you are. And guess what you're going to be dressed in? A white robe. Standing up with palm branches. Be waving like a fool up there. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah. Salvation. Yeah. It's going to be going down. And we get to be a part of that moment. So why do we pray with confidence? Because this is the person that we're praying to. The story's been written. We win. We don't lose. And we're like Bebe's kids. We don't die. We multiply. We're undefeated. We can't be stopped. Nobody can stand against the power of our God. Man, so when you pray, man, get with it. When you pray, just know who you're talking to. When you pray, You're not praying to Bambi, but you're praying to God. When you're praying, you're not praying to Mr. Rogers. You're praying to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, Elohim, Yahweh, Jehovah. You're praying to El Shaddai. You're praying to Jehovah Jireh. You're praying to Jehovah Nisi. You're praying to Jehovah Elion. You're praying to God Almighty and you're praying to I am, that I am, whatever you need, I can be that for you. I can provide that for you. I can supply that for you. And he's just like, bring it to me. Just bring it. Just come on. Let's, let's talk. Bring it to me. You know, I like to fight. I do. And I'm one of those type of guys that, like, if you want to fight me, bring it, big boy. Come on. You want some of this? You about to get all of it. You know, I love, now I don't go pick fights with people and I try to avoid fights, but if there's no reason, to, if I can't avoid it, like if you mess with my wife, mess with my kids, I'm going to bring it to you. And God stands there looking at us. He's like, what have you got? Bring it. Because when you bring it, I'm going to give you all of me. And I tell you, I'd rather want all of God than a piece of something that's not even significant or important. When he shows up, he brings the cavalry. He brings everything you need. So why don't we go to him confidently? Are we afraid? Is it our sins that keep us from him? I want to encourage you. Here's what I know about God. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Do we sin? Yes. And as Paul Tell us beautifully, should we keep on sinning that grace may abound the more? He says, certainly not. He's like, don't be stupid. Don't keep sinning on purpose. Make it your goal and your effort to not sin. But when you fall, just know God's going to be there to pick you up. His grace abounds even more. Why do we need His grace? Because we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is what? Death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And so Jesus comes into the world. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He said, I don't want you to get cleaned up because you can't clean yourself up. You've been trying too long, but it doesn't work. I'll do the cleaning. And I'll die for you even while you're in the midst of your sins. I'll do that. And he did it. And then the Bible tells us for us by grace that we are saved through faith. Not of works that any man could boast. So God doesn't want us bragging on ourselves. No, he wants the glory. Remember, God is not going to share his glory with anybody else. And so he says, I've done what's necessary. And then he said, I did it because I love you. I love you so much that I was willing to give my one and only begotten son that whoever what believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's a great deal. It's crazy. I mean, you would be nuts not to take that deal. And then he says this in Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's that simple. But it causes us to repent in our heart. To say what? You know what, God? I'm wrong. You're right. And I change my mind about what I thought previously. And I'm going to align what I believe with what you have said. And I'm going to go all in by faith and give my life to you because you're worthy of it. But yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. And yours is the glory ever.